really means a lot to me to be doing this. Um, to the audience members who are watching, thank you so much for coming into my readers. That's best-selling Canadian author Samantha M. Bailey speaking at the recent Canadian launch event for her new thriller called Watch Out For Her. They held the event online April 26th, and since then, this second suspense novel by the Toronto-based author has shot up to the bestseller list in Canada. Bailey is the daughter of a prominent Toronto rabbi, Rabbi Michael Stroh, who served at Temple Har Zion. But the author now uses her husband's last name professionally as a way to keep her home life in Toronto private and to carve out space for herself in the wider publishing world. It's Bailey's second successful book, but her first hit with a Canadian Jewish family as the title characters. And it's about how far an obsessive mother will go to uncover the mystery of who's threatening her and why. The book is also set in Vancouver and Toronto. Bailey considers herself a happy and optimistic person in real life and uses her books to explore her private and scary Jekyll and Hyde thoughts about motherhood. Do you send your children out and think, oh my God, something awful is going to happen to you the minute you walk out the door, which is, I, I do worry about that. I do worry. Um, and uh, Whereas other people are like, you go, you go. And, you know, just remember, look both ways when you cross the street and beyond that, you know, it's all good. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Thursday, May the 19th, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. <music> Samantha Bailey has been riding the wave of publicity for the last few weeks since her new novel was published. Her calendar is full of virtual appearances at book clubs and author interviews. Somebody even made her a cool set of artistic fake fingernails to wear while she does these. The nails have the cover of her new book on them. It's a long way from the days when Bailey would speak to small audiences at her father's Toronto synagogue and promote her debut chiclet novel a decade ago. Coming up, Bailey will be here to describe what it was like writing the new book during the pandemic and whether Jewish mothers today are more obsessive than when she was growing up or when I was. But first, here's what's making news elsewhere in Canada. I'm Ira Robinson in Montreal, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like. Remember the episode we did last month about the eight members of Canada's Veffer family who survived the Holocaust in Bussum near Amsterdam because Dutch friends and neighbors helped hide them all for a thousand days? If you missed that one, the link is in our show notes. Well, Yad Vashem has now bestowed the honor of righteous among the nations to the seven Dutch families who helped hide the Veffers and to their descendants in some cases because the original rescuers have since passed away. Yad Vashem held a special ceremony a few days ago to hand out the awards. It was held at the synagogue in Bussum, where the Israeli ambassador to the Netherlands was there, and local dignitaries, and the medal recipients, and even some members of the Veffers' extended family, including Dr. Hartley Stern of Ottawa. And now stay tuned for this message. From award-winning journalist Marsha Lederman comes Kiss the Red Stairs, a compelling memoir of Holocaust survival, intergenerational trauma, Divorce and discovery that will guide readers through several lifetimes of monumental change. Marsha was five when a simple question led to a horrifying answer. She asked her mother why she didn't have any grandparents. Her mother told her the truth. The Holocaust. Decades later, her parents dead and herself a mother to a young son, Marsha begins to wonder how much history has shaped her own life. Reeling in the wake of a divorce, she craves her parents' help. 
but in their absence, she is gripped by a need to understand the trauma they suffered, and she begins her own journey into the past to tell her family stories of loss and resilience. Kiss the Red Stairs, available now wherever books are sold. And now here's my interview with Samantha Bailey. It was recorded live at her Toronto book launch. The audio is courtesy of the virtual JCC Storyteller Program and Jared Goldberg. How did the idea for this second book develop during the pandemic? It's an interesting question because it wasn't a lightning bolt the way Woman on the Edge was. Like Woman on the Edge just hit me. A lot of it came from the idea of fear and the idea that we can't watch who watches our children. Unless, of course, you're like Sarah Goldman, the one of the main characters in my novel, who uses um, nanny cams. But even then, even then, you can't 100% watch who's watching your children. So there was that idea. And then it was also the idea of wanting to be seen for who we really are. And that sometimes the expectations placed on us um, cause us to hide who we really are. And that leads to secrets and to lies and to danger. Uh, your first book had big things about motherhood. The second book, of course, is more about motherhood as well. But many of your, your books themes talk about paranoia and, and protecting them from danger and hyper uh, protectiveness. I'll just say, as a mom myself, um, I'm probably in the way overprotective helicopter being super annoying parent. And I'm sure if my children are watching, they would see that. But um, versus what my, you know, my parents would say is they let their kids play all day outside 24-7 with no cell phone when we were growing up and they all turned out fine. So what's wrong with you, right? So do you think mothers today are more anxious about dangers that can happen to their children? And if so, why? I can only base it, I think, on on a lot of how I grew up. My my mom was not overprotective. I was I was a Gen X kid. I was, you know, you, you you're out till it gets dark. I had no cell phone. If you get yourself somewhere, you get yourself home. And I developed really strong street smarts because of it. I mean, I, they were always protective of me, but I had a lot of freedom and independence. I went the opposite way, and I I, I do think. That our generation of parents, um, you know, those Gen X who became who became parents. Now I'll be forty nine at the end of May. Social media is, you know, uh, has given us quite a bit of fear. I mean, there are a lot of good things about it too, but it always feels like someone is watching us and watching our kids, and people know where they are, and they're putting everyone's putting so much information out online that. I think it causes us to want to protect them more because they're 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 out there putting themselves out there into the public and with people they don't know. And would you be able to say whether having the Jewish sort of filter or the Jewish layer to this means that maybe Jewish families, parents, Jewish mothers are more protective, uh, underprotective? Like where do we fit in in terms of your your mm -hmm. definitions of, of how mothers are today? My Bubby was very protective, but she had lost her oldest child, her son, when he was he was 12 years old in, in an accident uh, when my mother was six. Um, my mother, you know, grew up then with a protective mother. And so she maybe rebelled against that or just just, you know, decided to, to do it a little bit differently. And then I, of course, went back. I'm a, I think I'm a lot more like my Bubby than I am like my mom in terms of my my kids. Um, 
I don't know if it's a, a, a Jewish thing or just a personality thing or, um, you know, how uh, we see the world. You know, do we does someone see the world as dangerous or does someone see the world as a place to explore and discover? So I think that has a lot to do with it as well. Can we pick up on something you mentioned just a little while ago, uh, mm-hmm. which I want to get to, which is about um, how women and their identities when they become mothers um, becomes very uh, important, whether they lose their identity, they change their identity. First of all, did it happen to you? And what did that look like? I love that question because it actually has so much to do with how I ended up writing this book. It was always extremely important to me to have my own own identity. I love my children more than anything in the world and they come first, 100%. But I am my own person. And I want my kids to see that I that you can have a career and a family and all these things. So when my second child, my daughter, was born, I started my own editing business. Um, that was when I was writing more and more and writing book after book. And you'd mentioned that I have five books to my credit, but to my credit, yes, but nobody can read them because they're in a drawer. <laughs> There's only two. Finding Lucas, 2013, the Canadian Jew, 12, the no, Canadian I, Jewish I, News. I, he wrote I, about it. <laughs> I pulled it actually, because it's so dated, but anyway, back to, back to what you were asking. Um, and so I had forged my own identity and I was, I was really proud of it. And I felt like I'd achieved this great balance, not the perfect balance, but I could volunteer at the kids' school. I could be on parent council. I could be there for my kids and have my own identity. And then the pandemic hit. And I was on deadline and I didn't know when I was going to write. And I lost all space um, and time of my own. Everything began to meld together. I didn't know when I was a writer, when I was a mother, when am I supposed to find time for me at all and so a lot of what I was writing about Sarah which wasn't my intention because I it wasn't like that when I started the book I actually ended up relating and connecting to her a lot more than I'd ever expected I can relate to that as well and 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 I'm sure a lot of people in our audience can hear you um so you know, let's talk about Sarah. You bring her up. Sarah is a Jewish character. The other book that you wrote that was a bestseller, the first one of the bestseller, does not have the same Jewish characters. Why did you decide to go there? Why make them Jewish? Why make that? Why change? While I believe that representation is so important, everyone wants to see themselves represented in a book. It, It wasn't a conscious choice. Sarah came to me and she and she was Jewish. She just was Jewish. It just how she came to me and my characters do come to me. Um, I can see them in my mind. I can hear their voices. I know who they are. So she was, so she was Jewish. And then I thought, I thought about it as I was going to write it because I wanted to make sure that I'm not representing an entire people. I I don't want to be responsible to represent an entire people because Sarah's experience with Judaism, my own is different than every, you know, everyone's experience is very different. So I wanted to be very careful with that and be true to the character. For Sarah, it's a part of her identity, like being a mother, like being a photographer. It, it, it just it just is for her. But it is very important to me that I did that uh, 
because, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I might be wrong, but as far as I know, um, it is one of the only uh, contemporary, modern, current uh, thrillers uh, with a Jewish character. Um, women, maybe, but definitely there's another one we should throw out here because uh, everyone should know about, you know, Robert Rotenberg writes oh, um, the right. Ari Green series, right? Detective Ari Green from, and he's got a new one coming out, which is amazing. So, so that's one for sure that we should throw out because. Yes, I would say you're right. Then women. Not women. Women. Maybe not women. 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 And again, I might be wrong. I might be wrong. I read a lot of thrillers, but I I could be, you know, completely. Right, let's ask the audience, please, if you know yes, uh, yes. any Jewish characters. I mean, there's of course Jonathan Kellerman and you know his wife, right? And then uh those the Jewish characters, but not Canadian and not Toronto and not local. Yeah. I want to uh move to we started on it and I wanted to kind of end on the Jewishy angle more uh about being a Jewish woman author in today. Um, you used to go by Samantha Stroh Bailey, and now it's just Samantha Bailey. What was the thought process in taking out the, the your maiden name? Um, and was that your choice, or did it was it a publishing decision? Definitely not a publishing decision. Oh, my publishers, yeah, they they that is totally totally my own decision. I wanted I being a public figure feels both amazing and hard because I live a really private life actually I don't post pictures of my kids ever on social media of my family ever uh the only time people hear you know their names is in is in the dedication to them in my book I don't talk about where I live I'm very private call it paranoid but I'm very private I chose to be in the public I but my family didn't I wanted to maintain my own sense of self separate from a public life. Um, and the Stroh to me, you know, I've been Sam Stroh forever. So I, I wanted to be Sam Bailey, um, which, which is, you know, I have to say that's, that is, um, that is my husband's <laughs> last name is not, I didn't just pick it out of anywhere. Um, but I, yeah, I wanted it to be my, my own thing, just me separate from anyone else and so I made that decision have you experienced any pushback feedback anti-semitism because being in the writing business and being a Jewish woman oh, that's an interesting question I I don't know no I don't think so but I'm very careful online very careful very careful what I say very careful who I respond to and um I don't engage in uh, political or any, I just don't engage on social media in anything usually apart from books and uh, celebrating authors uh, because it doesn't feel comfortable to me. It doesn't feel safe to me to do it. So no, uh, I have not. And I would say within the community, I may be one of the only Jewish authors within commercial fiction, within thrillers, but I have never, ever felt anything but uh, completely embraced and supported. And I think, uh, you know, because it is just a community of people who want the best for each other. You write such dark, twisty thrillers. They go to places, but you are not that. You are sunny. 
and, and happy. So how do you navigate the Jekyll and Hyde type of, yeah. um, of conversation, right? I get that question uh, quite a bit because, yeah, when you see me, like you said, I talk with my hands. I'm pretty exuberant. Um, I, I am a positive, upbeat, happy person. I look at the world with hope rather than sorrow. I'm a Gemini, though. I am a Gemini and I am a true Gemini. I have a very dark mind. And since I was young, I have been fascinated by the dark and gritty. I don't want to live it myself, but I love to find out why, why people want to live it. What draws them to this darkness? What is inside them that makes them look at the world from a dark, twisted standpoint instead of a bright and sunny one. Uh, you know, maybe that's why a lot of artists do that because that way it puts it away from their whole house, their life. They put it out there and it doesn't have to stay in them, right? Yes. Yeah. You you hit the nail on the head. It's why it, it's one of the reasons I, I write at all is to put all of my, my fears on the page, to put all of my worries onto the page so that I don't yeah, so I don't necessarily put them on anyone else. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to the family of the late Shirley Granovsky of Toronto. Together with her late husband, Phil, they were generous philanthropists to many community causes and many Jewish causes. She passed away Tuesday at the age of 98. And we'll end the episode with a clip from that actual Yad Vashem ceremony that I was mentioning earlier in the show that was held a few days ago in the Netherlands. Here is the son of one of the Veffers, Dr. Hartley Stern. Let we all be asking ourselves the same question. And that is, would we, uh, faced with the same circumstances, have the courage and the values to do the same, to take the risks in our own lives, that the people we were honoring today did to save the lives of the Jewish family. Would we have that courage? Would we have the strength to do what we do? I pray that we will never have to find out. This episode has been brought to you by Looking Back, Moving Forward, 160 Years of Jewish Life in B.C., Published by the Jewish Museum and Archives of British Columbia for their 50th anniversary, this elegant volume is a once-in-a-generation collection of Jewish life and history throughout the province. Order your copy today at jewishmuseum.ca.